Hello, hello, and welcome to the Embody Your Soul podcast. I am your host, Alexandra Shelley, also known as a modern medium. And the mission of this podcast is to create a sacred space for us all to get real comfy and discover how we can tap into our divine self through spiritual connection and best practices. If you are new here, thank you so, so much for finding me. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for coming back every week to listen in on the magic. Make sure to follow me wherever you love to listen along with my other platforms, Instagram and TikTok at the modern medium underscore. When you feel ready and feel called to book a reading with me or any type of service with me, head to my Instagram and click on my link tree and I have all my links available for private readings, one-on-one mentorships, soulful chatterbox, and my soul path sessions. And if you want to win, I guess I shouldn't really say win, but receive a free 30-minute reading, simply write a written review. Write a written review. All right. (laughs) Simply leave a review, screenshot it, and send it to me either DMing me on Instagram or email me at hello at themodernmedium.co and I am so so excited to connect with you oh my gosh I think that's honestly it I am so excited to be here thank you so so much you guys I uh, I have been just going through a lot I have to say I have to be so real with you it has been really hard to come back and you know, sit and really dedicate myself to getting back on the podcast game, even though I didn't like take this big break or anything. It's just staying consistent has been really hard. And if you have been following me on Instagram, just a brief update. I recently ended my relationship with my really wonderful romantic partner, and it was definitely one of the hardest decisions (laughs) of my life and I will say when you begin to really get in touch and live with your intuition and you receive information or know something is going to happen and sometimes when this happens your human self just is not ready for it and that was honestly the case for me. I really wanted to rejigger this timeline. I wanted to resolve this timeline. I really truly believed that we were going to be together forever and I really really wanted that. I truly tried everything, everything I could to make sure the relationship could be nourished and lasted but that just wasn't the case and I had to let go and it was incredibly painful but I really feel that I have stepped into this new version of myself, this stronger, more empowered, honestly, more sexy version of myself. And I truly wish, um, wish, wow, apparently I can't talk. I truly wish this beautiful human all the best. I will always cherish the love that he gave me and I have grown into such I'm just grown into the highest version of myself as of now and I know that will only continue 
And I just have to say, I wanted to just explain that because that's really what I've been going through. I've been going through the stages of ending a relationship, of ending an intimate relationship. And first I started with, hell yeah, empowerment and all that stuff and feeling really good and just diving into pleasure and play. And then now I'm in this weird stage of lethargy and this void of, wow, I'm really, I'm solo. I don't have that human to text and call that will always be available or always make themselves available for me. I am doing solo uh, solo adventures. I am you know, reaching out to friends that I haven't reached out to in a long time and almost feeling a little bad because when you've been in a relationship and you are so dedicated to that person, and I wouldn't say hermited, but I really wasn't connected to all of my friends and the friends I would say that I really wish I stayed more connected with during this time. And I almost felt guilty reaching back out to them. I'm like, oh my God, I hope they're not mad at me because I haven't spoken to them in so long. But at the end of the day, it really, I feel like I really, (laughs) at the end of the day, it's really powerful because the people that really love, like truly, truly love and cherish you will always be there for you. And that's what I've really learned throughout this process. So thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for holding space um, for me. And it is, you know, again, it's something I say a lot with a lot of situations, but this also is not a unique story with either ending a relationship that is whether it is romantic or it is with family members or it is with friends, it is with, you know, a job, it is relationship with a particular action or hobby or substance or something. It's just there's huge shifts going on in humanity and know that you're not alone and regardless of if it's a death or if it's just a loss of relationship, grief is truly just such a reflection of how deeply you loved or how deeply you poured into this. And I am just here. It's like, it is the Alexandra solo show. Like, all right, what is going on today? It's really funny. So Any, you know, I so welcome any words of wisdom. I so welcome the love, um, you know, because that is something I'm really leaning on right now. And I just thought I'd share with you guys because you guys are really wonderful. You guys already hold space for me to speak uh, candidly, to, you know, teach, to share, to just bring forth any messages. And, um, you know, you guys are just really, really special. So thank you. And now that we are, you know, finished with that spiel, I am really, really excited about this guest. This is a guest I connected with through my gorgeous, amazing podcast coach, Chelsea Rife. I feel that I have spoken about her so many times and I'll probably never stop speaking about her consistently because she has been a really beautiful part of my expansion and of my work as an entrepreneur and as a communicator, as a vessel of messages and stepping into my power as a podcaster. And this amazing, amazing human is Emmy. Emmy is the host of the Violet Vulture podcast and 
She is a multi-passionate, multidisciplinary storyteller. They are also a death doula and witch and self-avowed, all-around, too-much person. I don't even think Emmy should say that about herself because they are just a person that is meant to take up space. They are meant to disrupt. And I believe that's why Emmy and I connect so, so much. And as you may have already noticed, but I'll also make very, very clear, just in case you ever want to connect with Emmy, they go by the pronouns she and they. I also adore Emmy because they tie in their passion for horror and horror tropes. And she also is such a beautiful vessel and practitioner that really talks about holding space for and honoring the dark energy, the shadow energy, being shadow forward. Emmy is also so obsessed with storytelling for self-exploration and liberation, alternative wealth, wellness for the misfits, and morbidly inclined among us and honoring our shadows. So she does all kinds of lives and snippets within her work that really allow us to just dive into these facets that, to be honest, my work is, I don't want to see this in a negative way at all, but just my work is just so different from hers, but also so similar. I truly deal with I basically deal with death. I deal with those who have crossed the veil. I deal with grief. I deal with pain. I deal with people who need to close loops. I deal with people who need closure. I deal with people who need to heal from past relationships. And I just really admire and honor and respect Emmy for the work that she's doing because to be honest, I, at least, again, like, I don't know about you, but as a practitioner, and I've only been, like, fully, fully stepped into this space for almost two years, but she is the only kind of practitioner that does what she does, like, ever. And I have to say, you know, there's all, I'm not saying that no one is unique, uh, there's all kinds of intimacy coaches and, of course, psychic mediums and all kinds of beautiful healers and practitioners. But I have never met or seen anyone like Emmy. And I think that's also why I'm obsessed with her. She has this insane confidence about her message and what she does and what she's, um, you know, why she's here and what she's bringing to the table. And I think that's also why others are really obsessed with her. They really connect with such a niche. And I just really, really love it. I just adore Emmy. So in this episode, we get into some really beautiful topics and some topics I've actually been really eager to talk about, topics I've actually even been developing and working on myself as a practitioner who really mainly is very, very comfortable in 
the light in the white light, the golden light energy. I work with ascended masters and angels and spirit guides. And I'm not saying I, I don't work with ancestors and elders, but I would say my energy vibrates and I'm comfortable vibrating on a certain level. And that's kind of the work I'm meant to do. However, I love Emmy because she is able to work in that energy that I actually need to be comfortable with. Not that I have to work in that energy or I'm meant to work with that energy, but she works with that shadow forward energy that I just so deeply admire. And I just think she's she's just such a legend. Emmy is an absolute legend and I'm just obsessed with this human. What I also am really excited about when it comes to introducing Emmy to my community but also having them on my podcast is showing you that there is all kinds of magic that our magic and what we provide to the world is truly our fingerprint it is the uniqueness of our fingerprint we are not meant to be like everyone else Yes, we are going to, you know, also do Reiki. We are also going to be, you know, mediums and practitioners. And there are other death doulas. But what I just find so magic about her is they bring to the table another facet of how you can serve and honor God, Christ consciousness, spirit, the universe through a totally different lens than what I do. So. We talk about being shadow forward and what does that mean and her love and her passion for being able to disrupt this space of healers and entrepreneurs, but also practitioners. We also talk about something that you know I talk about a lot. If you have heard me on my episodes or I even talk about it on my page too, And I also teach this to my mentees and my clients and students and everyone across the board, but ethical practitioners. That is a whole page they feature on their website about ethical practices as a practitioner. And this is something that's so important. And I just loved connecting with them on this because this is huge. And I don't hear about it enough not that I I don't think that people aren't aware of it or that they're not practicing it but I think it just needs to be talked about more and I think that's also why I am obsessed with Emmy and also I am also obsessed with Emmy because we also are both obsessed with books we love literature and we We just dive into just such incredible, expansive conversations. And I think one of the reasons why we also had so much fun is, again, what we do is so different, yet so the same. And they're just hilarious. They're so down to earth. They're so badass. They were also literally wrapped in blankets as we were doing this podcast and like full respect. I mean, I'm recording this and I'm in my robe. I'm in my divine feminine phase, you guys, robing. So anyways, if you would love to explore how you can work with Emmy, 
you can simply head to her website at www.soyemmy.com and it's E-M-M-Y. And then I would also say head to her Instagram, which is L-A, so law, um, not comma, law underscore soy underscore Emmy. Click on her link tree and you'll pretty much see everything and every way to work with them. They have their podcast. They also have tarot card readings. They also do Akashic Records. And of course, they are a death doula. So they could really, really assist you and a loved one when it comes to transitioning onto the other side. So please let me know what you think about this episode. I'm really, really excited for you to meet Emmy. They are freaking amazing. I cannot sing their praises. Like, I mean, I'll sing their praises forever. And let's just have some fun. And I can't wait to hear what you think. Oh, Emmy, it's so amazing to meet you and meet you over Zencaster, but also connect with you. Uh, We've been following each other for quite some time because we share the most amazing podcast coach, Chelsea Reif. And I've been admiring Emmy from afar. All of the work that you do, I am just really fascinated by it. I think also because it's such a different energy that I... I don't really know about and I just I just so love it so thank you so much for coming on and I'm really excited to chat absolutely thank you for having me and I feel the same way I'm so grateful for Chelsea for connecting a lot of us really because I feel like I never would have met you otherwise I think and I, I feel so grateful for that oh yes I know seriously I love everyone that I've met um through this community. So the way I love to start off this podcast is just go right to it. In your own words, what does it mean to embody your soul? (laughs) For me to embody my soul, I think means for me to honor whatever it is that I need in my current era that who I thought I was going to be a decade ago is both who I am and who I am not. And Mm -hmm. using that as kind of a launching point for reminding myself that I, I both am what I was when I was a kid and nurturing that like little me that felt like I couldn't be as like too much as I say on my own podcast, like Mm -hmm. that I am allowed to like to care about wellness, but also to be spooky and Mm -hmm. that I could offer sacred space while also liking darker things that these things can coexist. And part of that is also knowing that they will have their times to shine. So when will I need to be softer? And when do I need to kind of like, have more boundaries mm. in place. So mm. yeah, that, that that's what I'll say. <laughs> I love that. I also love that you said era, like absolutely so many eras. And yeah, again, I always love this question because everyone answers it differently yet so the same. And I'm going to be honest, when you were answering it, you kind of brought up, I know I was talking to you about, you know, similar 
similar topics to talk about on the podcast, but I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated and eager to learn from you and your work is because you can still hold sacred space. You can still do really beautiful healing work, yet there's a coexistence and a mingling for the dark and the grimy. And so I would love to hear a, a little bit more about that. So Gosh, I mean, I feel like this isn't fair on you, but either, you know, kind of how that started, that journey, you being, I think even maybe was there a part of you that felt like guilty? Like, oh, does that even make sense? I feel like I'm just kind of all over the place. I'm just overall selfishly really fascinated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I I love that. And also, like, I have ADHD, so my brain wants to bounce around as well. So it's like, oh, like, this is a very reasonable question. <laughs> yes, thank God. Okay, you yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, part of it is me being a chronically ill person. When that happens, I have a lot of allergies. I am allergic to cats and dogs, uh, trees, grass, ragweed, mold, dust mites there could be more but i don't know uh if i do know then if i don't know it's because they don't test for it yet so fun um so i feel very aware of like your body wants to keep you safe but in doing so it can hurt you and holding that kind of tension through my life makes you appreciate things in a particular way and you have a feeling of like loss and there are just some things that I cannot experience that easily. So there is a certain degree of feeling like, like a final girl in a horror movie and that there's like a, an innocence that I was robbed of in a way from a young age by having been so chronically sick And trauma plays into it as well, as far as, you know, after it happens, you, you can move on to healing over time, but it still does take time to, to get there. Um, And yeah, just like, I've had a lot of uh, really intense experiences. I, I partly blame my astrology. I have a 12th house um, moon and it's in Virgo. So it's like. A lot of really big, like, underworld stuff that I'm constantly dealing with. And, yeah, I feel like, as a result, I was very drawn to, like, darker art. Like, I loved Tim Burton growing up. I I was shown a lot of horror movies that maybe I should not have seen, but too late now. <laughs> no, no um, And... I did go on my own exploration when I was in like my twenties where I realized like, no, I, I do want to have a relationship with this kind of medium because I feel Mm. like there's, there's an earnestness about horror that I love that doesn't always, always exist elsewhere in storytelling. And especially when you intersect that intersect that with being like sick and with being like, perceived as a woman I consider myself like woman plus because 
I kind of feel non-binary, but also like I look like a little lady. So there's like, I can't, I can't really escape it because I don't really want to do the like androgynous thing. So it's complicated. It's evolving. But yeah, I feel like all of that meshed together, like horror both uses women as a way to show like vulnerability, but also it shows that we're deeply afraid of women. And that also really resonated with me because I'm like, I look back at my own history of trauma and I'm like, people were so shitty to me because they were afraid of me. Like they were afraid of my innate power. I challenged them and they fought back in a way and took advantage of that. So as far as like holding all of this together, it's like once you've undergone I, ha- I love um, this one writer. She's also an illustrator, Molly Crabapple. She has a great book that is memoir exploration of like a lot of various things in life. And she talks about when you make choices to like do burlesque, to get involved politically, to put your life on the line in many ways, you give up what she calls your good girl privilege. And once you do that, you'll never look be looked at the same by society. And I feel like like that was a perfect encapsulation of like my lived experience in so many ways. I'm like, yeah, I, I will never be the same. <laughs> and the world won't look at me the same, but also what a beautiful opportunity to write a more true narrative for my life because trying to be that good girl is clearly not working. <laughs> it's only hurting me. And I feel like, again, that weaves into like horror with that kind of storytelling so beautifully because once like a bad thing has happened or if you've survived or if you have like a Jennifer's body where like life treats you like crap. So then you like fight back in a beautiful way. um, That all will change you. And there's consequences that come with it, but also like liberation. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And I loved listening. And I think number one, I totally resonate in the sense of, you know, I know you, you've mentioned it and you also mentioned it on your platforms, like being too much. I, I totally, I even caught myself the other day. I'm like, oh, it's just, you know what? Fuck that. What? Shut up. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is so, I don't know. I'm just really, really fascinated by how you so you so weaved in the like horror, the horror tropes with your astrology, with your spiritual practice. And I would love to learn about is this does how does this even make sense? I guess, did you feel when you were going into your spiritual practice, were you feeling any sense of like, oh my God, like is this actually like can I do this? Like, does this actually make sense to be like this and like this and be like this? Or were you like, screw it, this is me? Yeah, I think part of challenging that for me was that I was raised Catholic. So there already was that layer of like, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Um, but I, I do agree that, you know, being involved with like the North Node and other, you know, spiritual communities. Like I've been to Salem. I 
have maintained like other kind of virtual relationships with people that kind of do exploratory work. I wasn't seeing anyone that approached wellness or spirituality quite this way. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the discourse around shadow work is you're going to go and do it and it'll be kind of like nitty gritty, maybe messy, and then you'll move on and then you'll be like this elevated figure. And that is not how that works at all. (laughs) And you know, I imagine like you could speak to this as well. Like when you develop mediumship, when you learn to live in greater community with spirit, it's not like all of a sudden it's like a perfect relationship or that everything is just like sunshine rainbows. And I, I feel like a lot does us, does us dirty <laughs> as I've said on a few different occasions, like, how it's portrayed in pop culture. And if people have had negative experiences, then they will have their own perspective. So Mm -hmm. I think part of my finally embracing it was that there's no like love and light discourse in what I do. (laughs) If it's so like, if it's so like darkness forward, then it's like, yeah, things suck and you won't get better overnight. Yay. <laughs> it, it it ends up kind of, um, there's still perhaps like some pushback that may come up, but it kind of helps to reassure people that I am not using my platform to try to swindle them into some kind of like cult or like cult of personality of like, I promise to give you everything that you need. I'm like, no, life does that work that way? I, mm-hmm. A beautiful thing that one of my mentors has told me when I went to them for an Akashic Records reading was that sometimes life happens and you were operating at like 98% and then something happens and then you get knocked back to like 95, maybe 90%. And maybe you get back to like 95 from that 90, but you may never go back to 98%. And that will come with some grief, but it's also about learning to live with who you are in this new era, that it's not that you are broken, it's that you are new. And learning to live with that newness is important. And I think it's important to put that darkness to the forefront when you kind of get into that, because otherwise, when the emotions come up, like when if you were fed a line about how you get over grief in like nine months and you should be better by now, but on like month 14, you're like crying, looking at cereal. Cause you're like, my grandmother loved these Cheerios. Like <laughs> when you're doing that, you're going to go like fuck off to the people. Am I allowed to curse? I'm so sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> my bad. Uh, is it obvious that I used to work in HR? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. And now, and now you do this. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, apologies. Um, yeah, like weird, weird reflex there. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I realized that when you're fed that line about grief, 
just being something you get over very quickly or that you should be getting over quickly. And what also ticks me off is like people conflate mourning and grief and I'm like two different things. They will intersect, but people often talk about them the wrong way. I, I feel like there's a lot of resentment that comes up. And once people, people remember when you said, oh, it was all in God's plan that your brother died at 18 (laughs) and like, just lean on, lean on them and have faith or like, oh, shouldn't you be over this by now? People know then not to go to you for that. And depending on what they're experiencing, they may not want to go to anybody again after that. So I, I try not to, it's a, it's a balance for sure. But even with my sister-in-law who lost her, her mother very suddenly uh, about a month ago in November, right before Thanksgiving, um, every time I hear her say like, I might not be my best self or like, I might not be up for all the Christmas stuff. I'm like, yeah, your mom died very quickly. Like, you don't know, you don't owe anybody anything. You know, I... I have a very sensory friendly home. So it's like when y'all come over to do a, a, a present exchange and you're like, this is too much. I'm going to throw you gently on the beanbag that we have. <laughs> I'm going to give you a Sherpa blanket. If you're like, I, this is too much. I'm like, you want to lie down on my bed? Like turn out the lights, just center yourself. I have my favorite hot chocolate that I bought in like bulk <laughs> from Raka this year. I'm like, I'm going to make you some hot chalky and we'll chill out. Like we'll, we'll figure it out, but don't feel like you have to be on the whole time because that's just not how you're going to be. Like you may end up doing better than you thought you would, but don't, don't make it harder by thinking going in like, Oh, I need to be fully ready to do this. Like that's just not how it works. And I think it's really important to own that like, yeah, you might not be your full self because it ultimately gives them permission to ask for what they need in the moment instead of feeling like I have to keep up the mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. And yeah, I can definitely speak on, it is It is really interesting because I remember a couple of years ago when I was having you know, we obviously all go through spiritual evolutions, evolutions and awakenings. And it was a couple of years ago, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to know everything. I got it. Woo. Like crisis averted all the time. hundred percent, not the, not the deal at all. And in fact, I feel every week I have like seven breakthroughs, seven meltdowns. Okay. I don't like, not that I actually have seven meltdowns, but it's just, so much happening, so many lessons to learn and unlearn. And I believe when you're really, when you're doing the work, whatever that means to you, it's, it's heightened and it's like more concentrated because you're helping others and you need to go. I mean, not that you need to go through all this pain in order to understand what they're going through, but it's like, you need to evolve so you can serve others. If that's what you're expecting of yourself to do. And I also just love how you're describing, you know, again, 
how your work is more, it's, it comes at this like more darker, not rainbows and butterflies, but it's because it's just real life and not in the sense that there's dark intentions. And I love when you were just describing, I have a very sensory, happy home. Maybe people who would see from the outside, like, oh, she's into horror and she's a witch or whatever. You're like, want some hot chalky? Let's hang out. It's like, you're, <laughs> it's just what it's, I think maybe if you'd be able to explain to our listeners who don't really have a clue about you, about any of this work, there is such a beauty to having this like shadow work theme and with, again, your work, again, getting really ADHD, um, but also the, how you can still serve the light. You can still serve like good and love. So if you'd be able to maybe differentiate that, I know it probably feels very obvious, but, and then I feel that could go into a really good segue with practitioners with good intentions versus scammy intentions. Oh, Totally. Yeah, I think I think part of the approach is also a little bit practical in nature that by getting to the core of what the what you feel the issue is, we can kind of go deeper from there and then figure out how best to support you through what you're going through. I also do that as a way of if I'm like guiding someone through like grief work, death doula work, I do want to know where you're coming from in terms of what you're experiencing, the kind of hangups you may be having, because I might not be the right person for you. And if I don't know that up front, then we can end up spending a lot of time moving in the wrong direction. And it just may completely turn you off to the whole experience. So I do have a very strong culture of referring out if I come to realize that you need something different than what I can offer. So getting very, very clear on like, oh, I have very, very intense family dynamics. I need somebody to be there for weeks to hold vigil. My my mom is dying in the home. Can you be that person? Like, if we were to like dance around that, we may spend a full hour talking about everything else under the sun, but not that main core issue. And then I'll have to tell you like, uh, Emmy has a day job <laughs> and a lot of other things going on. And unfortunately, that's not something that I can be present for. I can refer you to somebody else, but because we, we did the the only good stuff first, which there does still need to be room for that. I find it's best to be very direct and transparent. So then we know what problem we're solving for. And there could be more baked in, but I want to make sure if we're going to go on like an even deeper journey that will surpass like a one-to-one kind of interaction, it is really going to be aligned for both of us. Because... I used to be really, really precious, like afraid of like referring out when I was in my like mid twenties. And that's because I felt like the only one for a while, like I'm the only death doula in Chicago that I know of and, and so on. And that 
I realized that kind of like elitism was only hurting myself and other people. So now I built a stronger network of like, they need something that I cannot provide. I am better at like one-to-one grief work or we'll meet for a while and like a strong container and then we'll kind of slow down and then I'm available for when you need me. Like that is more sustainable for my energy, my schedule. And I feel like I could also show up for more people that way by having that kind of structure. So from the death tour perspective, that's why I do take more of the shadow forward perspective because I want us to be very clear on what we're trying to heal together. And again, I know there could be more on the other side, but let's begin there. And around kind of other spiritual work, why I kind of hold that at the core is that it feels like there's a lot of honesty there. And I feel like a lot of us have shame that we want to package up a certain way in the interest of like elevating what we think is the only good stuff. You know, I, in my own shadow work journey, like an example, I think a lot of people may understand is I, I resented um, Gwyneth Paltrow for a long time. And I thought it was strictly because goop isn't always that great. (laughs) And the platform can be kind of problematic. And yeah, I was like, okay, what else? But as I went deeper, I realized, oh, I have those strong feelings because that is what I want to be for other people at some point. Maybe not as big or anything, but I want for people to know that they can come to me for any kind of information to improve their well-being. I am afraid that I will abuse that power. So that's the repulsion that I'm feeling. How do I fix that? (laughs) Because I know that I still want to be a supportive person. I do still want to be a strong storyteller. There's a lot that I could learn from this person that I don't always like. So how can I help me feel more me and to show up better for other people by actually confronting that? So then when I do begin to show up for people, I feel like, and again, it won't be perfect, but that I am offering them the best experience possible, even if it's like a quick consult where it's like, didn't work for either of us. That's okay. At least I know that I was like true to my values. And that's the key thing too. I feel like by being shadow forward, you're being very discerning about your values. It's like, When you con Mari, like, okay, love this top, don't love this thing. I feel like I have a sentimental value. I feel like it's the kind of spiritual energetic version of that by being very like, cut it so then we can make room for everything else. Mm. Yes. Okay. That feels so clear and that makes so much sense. And that's what's so interesting is if you're open to, I'd love to get into You know, I find that interesting because I feel a lot of people could look at, you know, maybe the work you do is, oh, that she must be like a really dark person. I mean, yeah, like you like you are like a dark person, but also like a bad person. And maybe if you could tell our like 
our listeners like differentiating between like you know there's black magic or there's whatever I don't know bad I don't I know nothing bad magic versus like being shadow forward um I feel like that's very like second grader but I guess just because we are all learning from you right now just (laughs) yeah I think a good example of being shadow forward not necessarily being like a dark thing like a bad Mm -hmm. thing rather is like think about any time you've gone to get like a tarot reading like you're doing an exploration into something that you are naturally curious about i think if we want to choose a different word that i think still gets to the heart of it but isn't like darkness is like curiosity because you don't know what's on the other side. But with that fear also comes like a genuine interest. You, you know that you won't know what's going to happen at any given point in time when you leave like your front door, that could be scary or it could be an opportunity to just see what happens. So I think that would be kind of my reframe for people who are like, Maybe like it's spooky, but in a bad way. (laughs) And I think the other aspect is like, again, when you like you're hearing me talk now or even just seeing me talk now, like you at least, is that (laughs) people, people may think one thing about me. Then they start talking to me and they're like, wow, you're really animated. Like, oh, you're really whatever. And to that, like. I I think of like the parallels of like my favorite horror films are also very bright or very colorful. I love Guillermo del Toro. I Clive Barker is also very colorful. Uh, A lot of like Gothic things that are like romantic. And again, that like subversion, I think that's perhaps how I would help people kind of get a better sense of like my perspective and my worldview is like, it it is a very romantic one like there's like a touch of like spooky like peppered in but like i have an entirely pink suit that i wore at Adi's flea market in la so like i again it's like embodying that manyness it's that even though i will put this thing more to the forefront that isn't going to be all of me the same way that you also have light and dark and i think by being more shadow forward demonstrating that can give people permission to explore even briefly. Like I don't expect anybody else to also like always think about like a dark thing as much as I do. Um, And not even in like a, a morbid ruminating way, but like that I'm just aware. I think, I think about my death a lot. I think about my husband, my, my dad had a bad heart attack uh, around right before Thanksgiving of last year. So there's like always an awareness, but that moment makes me go to like pick up my phone to text him like, hey, how are you doing? Or like, oh, my dad loves really corny memes. So I'm like, I got to send him that extra corny dad thing that I found. <laughs> so it it's like an activation. Like what will make investigating the darkness bad is if you use it to get leverage over other people and... I feel like what also makes it bad is if it makes you stay stuck or falling into behaviors that you know are 
are harmful. There's a difference between exploring your jealousy, like why am I upset? Why do I feel threatened or insecure? That's all great. It's when you're using it to like weaponize, to get influence over another. Like that's where we get into that tricky territory. And even then, any of my magic is not about that. <laughs> I know that there's like contention about this within, um, I myself am not a Santeria practitioner, even though I probably could be as a Puerto Rican person. But I I don't love anything that has to do with influencing another, if, if only to give them goodness. Like, I'm a dad's in the hospital. I'm like, here you go. Like, I can give this to you. Like, I will gladly give this to you. And treating that magic like a hug versus like push, putting somebody down. I, I think it's called like brand new cherry flavor. It's like something on Netflix my husband began watching. <laughs> and I, I was also watching too because I'm like, now I can't ignore it. It's right on the TV. <laughs> um <laughs> It, it it investigates the whole like binding somebody to yourself in order to properly curse them. And the whole time I'm like mentally screaming, I hate what's happening right now. <laughs> this is so bad for everybody. And I know there's going to be a whole journey that comes with it and everything. I'm sure that's fine. But it gave me that like old school horror thing of like, why are you going into the basement? Why are you doing that? <laughs> like, no, 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 thing bad. I, that is what really gets me, especially as like a trauma survivor that why would I want to curse the person that I'm trying to get out of my own nervous system? Cause they're all in my vibes still. <laughs> I, I'm trying so hard to like push them out. Why would I like crazy glue us together essentially like that sounds awful so I think those are kind of my differentiations that it's a good thing if it's in service of boosting somebody else of helping you explore yourself and to move forward with those things kind of in lockstep versus like one over the other it gets in a tricky territory when it's about like it's about being vengeful. It's about having power over somebody else. And I think the key thing is that we all do have power and it's okay that we all have hurt, but we can't let that infect how we want to treat ourselves and other people going forward. Mm. Okay. I'm so happy I asked that question because that was so incredible. And I've I feel like I learned so much and even just, I mean, obviously there's obvious things that I feel we, we all know and I know like versus what, but what I loved what you said was simply an awareness. Like we are just aware of it. And also you said something, what was it? The manyness or something like you're like, I am embracing the manyness of myself. That doesn't mean that I am like wearing all black and all black makeup. It's just, I am aware. And it's something that I think about and it's something that I like to understand and explore. And so I would, okay, this sounds like so dorky, but I, I think because I am such a book nerd and I 
you know, have a lot of amazing accounts that I follow that I know one in particular, I'll actually send you her page. She loves horror and thriller and she's so cool. And I was wondering, are there any like horror books or tropes or themes that have inspired your work? I don't even know if that makes sense. But I also love how in the beginning you're bringing up Final Girl and like all these tropes that I'm like, hey, I kind of love this. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially in modern-ish horror, like thinking about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's a big one. You know, I began to conceptualize um, Scream Queen Wellness over October and the different kind of like uh, dimensions that kind of exist within it. Because I love, um, it was on Good For You where they were talking about like wellness is both over and not over because like everything is wellness. So like is nothing wellness. And I guess my argument is like, yes and no. I, I also agree. <laughs> I think I at least within kind of the culture that I've been witnessing, like my own like microcosm, is that we, I feel like we have a very like one-sided view of what it means to take care of yourself. And we overlook how comforting things that maybe we don't want to say out loud could be. Talking to Vanessa Lima about this, Um, on my podcast a few weeks back that, you know, I like, what did she say? Like she said, like, I'm not going to watch the Hallmark Hallmark channel. I'm going to watch like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like a bunch of other things with my family. Like, because that's what we grew up with. So I feel like that's definitely a big inspiration is like the family connection that there's, it's almost like um, tongue in cheek where we know it isn't like traditional, but we love to like employ it anyway. Like, yeah, favorite movie is, um, I love Candyman, the original, as well as the kind of reimagination. I feel like it's a a true sequel um, because I love that it's a gothic romance and the sequel, requel is a um, modern folktale that it's employing. Like, how do we tell stories? And how do we do that in a changing community? So I feel like that has strongly impacted me because I, I've had the realization when we were uh, apartment hunting and I leaned on like Candyman a lot as I experienced this, that I cannot afford to live in the neighborhood that I grew up in. There are no longer people that look like me in the neighborhood that I grew up in, except for my family, my parents. That's a really heavy thing to sit with. And what does that mean about the flavor of the neighborhood? Like, it feels like there's still the energy that used to be there. It's like the double exposure feeling of like, it's a new thing, but the ghost of it remains as well. So I feel like Hork is going to, it's influenced that, like dealing with my feelings of what does it mean to live in a gentrifying city? I think um, a lot of feminist horror has impacted my own writing only from the sense of I am allowed to tell these stories 
So overall, I don't think, except for Eric LaRosco, I believe his name is, I will botch that name every time. <laughs> uh, but he wrote a he wrote um, an anthology. Um, it contains a novella and then two short stories. Um, things have gotten worse since we last spoke. And the it's an epistolary kind of story. The a novella that's that's it's all it's all named after. So it's like instant messenger chats and emails and. It really like sucks you in. The way that I best put it to my husband is that it all feels so real. It feels so uncomfortable. And that anthology reminded me of why I want to write. Like, I don't want to write that way, but how I felt reading it, I want other people to feel that way <laughs> when I write whatever, you know, novella, novel, etc. I My own novel has been in perpetual development. <laughs> And I'll get there eventually, but I'm kind of treating it like um, how Neil Gaiman also writes. I also love Coraline. That has also impacted my writing a lot and is also like spooky for everybody because it is meant for children. But me reading it at like 30, I think it was 31, terrified me. And I think that's really effective writing if you're like, in your 30s, it should be for a 12-year-old. And you're like, they shouldn't let children read it. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. But I, I love it. I love um, a quick read in horror as well because it keeps you going. Um, but what I love about how he wrote it is that it came to him from an experience with his children. And that's how a lot of my writing comes forward is like a lot of what-ifs. And then I keep building. He just like had a notepad next to his bed and then wrote down a few sentences and then went to sleep. And that's how he wrote Coraline. Just like sentence by sentence. And I really needed that because as an ADHD creator that does a lot of things, <laughs> it's so easy to feel like I will never get this done. When in reality, like, Everybody says like, oh, you should have a goal of like an hour a day or shoot for a thousand words or whatever, like, or just do what you can that's reasonable for you. You know, you could be all atomic habits about it. I feel like every podcaster brings it up at some point. Stop. Oh my but God. do it. Like do that 1% because if Coraline is one of my favorite books of all time and reminds me of why I want to write and it was done like inch by inch every day, then like, yeah, my work can be done too. It just inch by inch. So I know I kind of went circular <laughs> initially, but I would say like, those are my favorites. But if I were to give you like a name for the feminist horror, it would be Carmen Maria Machado because her work um, in the dream house is a memoir told in the style of like a horror movie, like a haunted house. And that completely, that was so affirming for me as somebody who finds nonfiction, like writing about me so easy, but it challenged how I could write about it. Like, like why couldn't you do that? So I feel like, 
as an Enneagram eight, I like to receive the challenging in order to kind of grow. It's not just about me holding other people to like, come on, you can, you can do it. Step out of it. Like we're going to get through this together, like pushing to help other people grow. I love to be on the receiving end of it because that feels like care. That feels like an opportunity to like be better and not necessarily aspirational to be them, but to be reminded that if I feel different or if I feel like things are really hard, one, writing is hard, but also it, it can be whatever I need it to be in order to be most authentic to what I'm trying to achieve in my story. Ugh, loved that. Oh my God. Loved every minute of that. No, I love, it made sense. I was, I was following the whole time. It's so funny. I, it's good that you mentioned at the beginning that you're ADHD because, you know, obviously I am too. So it's nice. The listeners were already prepared, you know, what they were getting into. Um, so this is a question I've been thinking about as we've been talking and I'm like, this could be kind of funny because I think, what do you call them? Not like superlatives, but I love, I think those like funny categories of people, like they crack me up because we just can't take ourselves seriously all the time. So <laughs> tell me if this is like, okay, what are you thinking? But do you have an idea of maybe like, of this industry that we're in, like, you know, which medium, tarot, whatever, like, do you, like, do you see them fitting into, like, maybe horror tropes of, like, that's the final girl, that's this, that's that? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I will pull up a list real quick. Mm, I'm so excited. So then I don't get myself confused okay perfect for the sake of having a structure i will use the tropes that they use as like the model for Mm. um, designations in cabin of the woods so as far so as far as like how wellness and all those things like if i were to assign a thing to each one okay hmm Yeah, I think the manifestation babe would be the virgin because I think there's something so like deeply archetypal about it, like aspirational, like we all may have an era like that to some degree. And then something very quickly happens that makes us realize like, Either we cannot follow that person anymore or like, oh, I can't be this person anymore because I am more harmful. (laughs) I I am the toxic one right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) So the virgin. Um, Who would I consider the athlete? I think the athlete would be folks that are like newly becoming like service providers in the wellness space because they have a very clear mind around what they want to offer, how they may want to do it. And a lot of like juice, a lot of gas in the tank to make something happen. 
like I may even be thinking and we we are thankfully not these people because we've had a good podcast coach but the people who are like I'm gonna start a podcast and then have no plan no structure um maybe too narrow of an idea that it really cannot sustain the pod fade that will be coming for them so that's the thing that comes to mind for me for the athlete because the athlete may want to kind of embrace this like knight kind of archetypal like I know what I'm doing I'm gonna go like head first like guns blazing mm. it's like maybe you should slow your roll before you like start yelling in this party <laughs> it may end poorly for you otherwise yes uh let's see ooh the whore ooh I think that's the person in the wellness industry who is brand, brand new and is saying yes to everything. It's like the dark side of the seeker archetype where there's a lot of interest by almost like taking the consuming of new information to an unsustainable place. Like, Almost again, like I was, as I was saying, with like balancing the light and the dark and the shadow and so forth in your healing journey is undergoing a wellness practice or pursuing embracing a spiritual journey is not going to happen overnight. And it also should not make you broke. And it's also not a competition. And uh, as I, I don't know if I've ever said this explicitly, but now I'm, I'm doing it now. There are some parts of my spiritual practice that I will talk about publicly online. And there are some things that are very close to the chest. Like these are for me and I may hint at them, but you're not going to see any pictures of it online. It's going to be for me alone. So there's like, um, It's very, it's about conspicuous spirituality. It's about consuming everything. So it's about getting real into it and very publicly, very quickly. Oh, the fool. That's the jaded person. <laughs> That's the one who's been burned by it <laughs> and may even have like shown their whole butt at some point. Maybe they got canceled in some way. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh my and, God. And then became like the subject matter for like other various things, whether they deserved it or not. Like I'm of the mind that like we shouldn't cancel anybody, at least not outright. Like let's call in and try to like heal as a community. Um, and the scholar, I think that's like the healthy in between that. I think the discerning ones who have been in this for a while, maybe falling into. So let's say you dabbled. Let's say you kind of experimented with being burnt by some things. Maybe you were kind of called in for being appropriative with your magic. A lot was going on. The scholar is like going on that hermit journey of like, maybe I should not be online so much right now in the interest of actually doing the work that I keep saying that I'm doing but I'm only performing. So 
knowing when to kind of like shut it off in order to actually do the things that you say that you're aspiring towards. So for folks that offer like Akashic Records readings or offer like in your case mediumship, there will be times where you need to like be in your own bubble and not be receiving. There will be times where I, I just can't be on for a while, you know, with Akashic Records, like I can't drink 24 hours before doing a reading. So it's like, no, I want to be able to have wine whenever I want this week. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be on. I want to be able to like read my books and sip whatever, make some mold wine because it's cold. So like spicy wine um, and just kind of like be introspective or with it being um, mid-December here, figuring out what's going what's, to, what's going to be 2023. I have no idea. I, I've been avoiding thinking about it with everything going on. So I will need to kind of go into scholar mode of like, let's be investi- investigative right now. What was 2022? What worked? What didn't? What am I just saying no to? Because I'm going to ditch a lot that I was trying to do this past year. Like a lot of things were tried out. I'm grateful for the experience, but just can't keep doing it. So I need to look ahead to like, what's, what is me and the heart of it all. So I do want for um, my wellness dimensions to be even more grounded. So yeah, I'm going to kind of go deeper into like, why do I believe this? And why do I really feel this way? So, you know, that's the thing about the scholar is like, they can go dark quickly, but I think there's a real opportunity to use them for kind of navigating the other archetypes within horror and the whole wellness spectrum. So, yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, that was awesome. I'm so happy I asked that question. Emmy, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I, you know, learned so much from you and I'm excited to keep following you and connecting with you. And how can the people find you? Do I know, I know you do like tarot readings or any work with you share. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. First of all, this is so much fun. Uh, So glad I finally got to like, talk to you, talk to you. Um, as far as where people can find me, um, soy Emmy is like the core of everything that I have as far as like handles go. So when in doubt, it's soy Emmy in some way on Instagram, it's lost soy Emmy with little underscores in between. My website is soyemmy.com and my podcast is called the Violet Vulture. And you can find that on most platforms, Spotify, Apple, Audible, Amazon. There's one more in there. I forget it. Um, Google or something. I was going to say Google (laughs) or something. I do do keep things pretty up to date on my Acuity scheduler for tarot and um, Akashic Records readings. And my email list will be the best way to kind of keep tabs with like more detail because I am in kind of that inward mode where I am posting less online. So if you kind of want more detail in one kind of lump sum, that will be where to get it, um, get that info. 
and I do let my subscribers know like certain like discounts on offerings that I may not necessarily tell the rest of the internet. So yeah, that's, that's where y'all can find me. Oh, amazing. Ugh, okay, we'll have an amazing rest of your evening. Hello, everyone. Hello, all. Thank you so, so much for listening. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, it always, always means the world to me to have your support and to also meet my listeners. I've been meeting listeners recently through them becoming you know, students or followers or becoming clients. And it is just so, it is just so, so deeply fulfilling to serve you in this way. And just thank you so, so much. I really hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. If you want to make sure you receive all the updates and listen to the episodes when they come out, make sure to give me a follow on whatever your favorite podcast platform is and also follow me on instagram at the modern medium underscore that's where i pretty much update everything and everyone i would say that's my main mode and beautiful amazing absolutely legendary and fucking hilarious emmy please give this gorgeous human a follow on instagram at la underscore soy underscore emmy and explore her link tree where you can discover all of the ways to connect with her to connect with her work to work with her to read her writing and just really explore her magic they are just an absolutely such a unique human i have really really never met anyone like emmy and she's just an absolute powerhouse so make sure to give emmy a follow and figure out ways to work with her and i just cannot wait to hear what you think about this episode and i really hope this episode was illuminating or i'm really eager to hear how this resonated with you and i love you guys so so much and i will see you guys next time